This podcast is brought to you in part by The Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. everyone and welcome to another episode of the new england society of geeks i am your host derek and this episode is going to be the The geekology Geekology of licensing licensing. that's right folks we are (laughs) going to take a deep dive into the world of licensing you might think you know about licensing but you might not know as much as you think you do so to take that deep dive with me, I have with me the associate editor of the Pop Insider, the Toy Insider, and the Toy Book, Madeline Buckley. How are you tonight, Madeline? Hello. Good, good. All right. How are you? Oh, not bad, not bad. <laughs> uh, I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually really excited to get into this. It Yeah. It can be quite an interesting subject. It certainly can. I think licensing is one of those things that most people are vaguely aware of, right? Like you kind of have an idea of what it is, Mm -hmm. um, but don't really quite understand the minutiae of it. I mean, I certainly didn't until I started the job that I'm in now, uh, writing for the Toy Book, Toy Insider, Pop Insider, where we're covering new toy releases on the toy side of things and new collectibles and merchandise for Pop. And it's just so much more complicated and interesting and nuanced than I ever knew for licensing. Um, the pop insider actually, before it became the pop insider was called the licensing book. Mm. So even though I started the company after licensing book had become pop insider, uh, so much of what we cover for that brand is about licensing, uh, because almost everything nerd geek collectible is by default licensed, right? Because right. it's based on shows, based on movies, based on books and any product that you have with a character is going to be licensed. Um, so there's so much to do with licensing that as and geek overlap, right? It's, it's almost intrinsically exactly. linked. Um, yeah. Now, so I'm excited to chat about it. Me too. Now, first of all, let us start out with a little disclaimer. Um, yes. We want to make sure that everybody is aware that you are not actually involved in any licensing yourself. Uh, right. You, you. I was not. I didn't study licensing. I didn't. You know, it's not. I'm not in the business of licensing. Um, right. It's something I cover. Something I've learned about through almost osmosis and being around people in the industry, attending licensing expo, which is a whole other. Other thing we could get into, oh, yes. uh, but yeah. So I'm not making licensing contracts by any means, but <laughs> right. but yeah, it's something that I've learned so much about. Hello, listener. You may be saying to yourself, "What just happened? That was strange." And indeed, it was. Well, you see, we uh, we had a little technical difficulty uh, in the middle of my recording with Madeline, and well, unfortunately. 
we did lose a little bit of the recording, just a few minutes, nothing too major. Um, basically, we kind of just talked about the um, the basics of what licensing is, um, and then we kind of started getting into Marvel and DC and stuff. So, really, you didn't we didn't lose anything too drastic, and we still managed to have a pretty good episode about licensing. So, I guess uh, there's not much we can do about it, uh, except continue on with the rest of the episode, which I think you're going to enjoy. It was very fascinating. So, without further ado, here we go. Okay, so, uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulty, so apologize for that, and, uh, a little interruption we might have had. Um, but let's get back into it. Uh, so we were talking about yeah, uh, licensing with, um, well, I believe we were getting into uh, Mattel and DC and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, just make sure, I don't know where it stopped with what I was saying, but but for so long, uh, about 20 years, I think it was Mattel and DC had a, was master toy partnership. Mm. And what I was clarifying is that it's not that, you know, every single product in the world with DC characters was made by Mattel, right? Because there's so many other product categories out there. You're going to have your DC clothes, your DC pet toys, your DC (laughs) books and DC video games and DC, you know, you can put the heroes on about everything. But when you're talking about action figures and plush and toys and games, like that's the stuff that Mattel was able to make in-house and that's what their master toy partnership covered. And then by getting rid of that language, it, it really opened it up. And so that's, that's what we're calling slicensing. And I think one of the first examples that we noticed on slicensing, and then we started seeing it everywhere was Fortnite. Um, it was one of the first things that didn't really have a master license. And we started seeing that we had one toy company was making the three inch figures and another toy company was making like the five inch figures. And then another company was making the like, eight, like, you know, so you had multiple action figures coming out all inspired by Fortnite, all featuring the same characters, but being made in slightly different ways by three completely different toy companies. And then that doesn't even get into the Funkos and the, you know, those other companies that would get the license. And so this massive wealth of Fortnite, then on top of that Hasbro getting the license to use it for, for, Nerf uh, products, and so Fortnite really spread that wealth out, where so many different companies are making so many different types of products, and I think that is starting to become more of the norm. And I think it has some really good benefits, but it also ends up with a lot of repeats in the marketplace. So it's really some give and take in terms of whether you think this is a good thing or a bad thing. This thing being licensing, um, and it also in terms of like. Gets it, it gets into some weirdness. I, you, mm. you can go ahead. You can go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, I could see it yeah. possibly getting confusing f- um, for some of the consumers, um, particularly yeah. parents who are just looking for stuff for their kids. But on the other hand, totally. maybe it also gives yes. them more options too. Yeah. So I think that's exactly the duality we're looking at, right? Because it gives, by not locking it in to all be one company and they're, what they're producing, you're able to get like your Funko Pop version of this character and your 
or fig pin version of this character and your squishmallow version of this mm. character. So if you're somebody who loves the type of product that a specific company puts out and are able to get these characters or IP that you love as that product, I think that's a great thing, right? Like that means like another great example there is with the master toy kind of, um, loss with Hasbro, you're seeing hot wheels, star Wars, right? So things like that. So in yes. that respect, you're seeing Which some things that you love, yeah, so you're getting to see that, which is great, and it, it allows for innovation and all that. But then at the flip side, that's how you get six different Grogu plush. Which one is your kid asking for, and how are they different, and why are they different? Right. So it's it's it gives and it takes. I think absolutely it does to an extent. That when you're talking about the smaller licenses, I think it's also important to note we have so much content happening now. Right. It it was kind of when this whole licensing infrastructure really became what it is there wasn't your netflix shows and your influencers who are a huge licensing opportunity right now influencers are everything especially when you're talking in the kids space with youtubers so we have um like ryan of ryan's world it was really the one that kicked that off where this whole new set of available things to license and that was actually kicking off right when i was starting at the toy insider uh this whole concept of a youtuber for licensing his content, his brand as toys. And now it's, it's everywhere, right? We have his, we have Trinity and beyond. We have Blippy. We have like, I could, you know, sit here and name a bunch. I know that's not as much with the adult collector nerdy uh, side of things, but it's a huge tie in with licensing because you're looking at all these toys for kids inspired by YouTube channels. And it's interesting to see how that's shaking out because uh, bonkers toys really got the ball rolling. They're the ones who partnered with Ryan. They're the ones who made the mystery egg that was the hottest toy. If one of the hottest, if not the hottest toys of 2018 holiday season, like people were selling this, this egg on eBay for like ungodly amounts of money. And that was one of the first YouTube kit toys. And now Ryan, even if we're just talking about Ryan, he has toys, um, he works with Jada toys for cars. He works with just play for a different set of unboxing and play sets. He works with a variety of, you know, food brands and toothpastes and all of this. And, but even just within that toy space, and he has another company he works with for plush. And so it's all really spread out. It's not one toy company got Ryan and they make all of Ryan's toys, right? which is what you would have seen before in the, in the master toy license setup. Mm. So that's, I think, where you're seeing the differentiation and I find it fascinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like that is something that will continue on for the foreseeable future. I think so. I think we're just at a place where there's just so much content, right? You're not seeing it's like, here's the five major networks and they're whatever shows they have are the big shows. And then whatever the few right. huge movies that are out are the huge ones. And so the toy companies are going to divide up. What are those few super popular shows? Instead you have, dozens and dozens of shows right because you have netflix you still have your disney channel and all of that Mm. for just talking toys um for kids but then on the larger scale for adults and my gosh think about how much content is coming out right we're talking so many streaming services so many and and we've become more fragmented as audiences right so it's really hard for a company to put all their eggs in the basket of some show when like technically to be a success you don't actually need that that many viewers, but is that many viewers going to turn into enough of a consumer base to make it worth your while to create this whole collectibles line inspired by whatever show? Whereas if you are a Funko where you have this product you create and then you bring in 
characters, even if they're from this slightly less known show, it's less of a gamble, right? So like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a more uh, obscure Netflix show, like, um, mm. oh, uh, I'm not okay with this, right? That was oh, technically yeah. like a superhero show, right? Like it was that one season based on, you know, comics, but it was only one season, ended up getting canceled because of uh, COVID. Very And so that show is incredibly disappointing. I would have loved to see more of that. Me too. But because of that situation, you're not going to have some company sign on and be like, oh yes, I'm going to create a ton of products inspired by I'm not okay with this, but you could see like Funko being like, Oh, we'll make some figures of the main characters or, you know, like, right. Like where that becomes doable and is more of the MO um, that works where these companies are finding this niche product that they make that works well and sells well. And then they are licensing out specific characters from different shows, different IPs to make into their product. Um, now where it gets tricky. And I think that's the plus side of licensing, right? Because you're able to have that. You're able to have mm-hmm. your big, you're able to have that kind of those different companies that are creating very niche and cool collectibles. And that's how you're able to have like new collectibles lines. Right now we're seeing a bunch of different diorama style products coming out in the Marvel space. Yes. And then it's just interesting to see how they also slightly differentiate themselves because if you look, they are, are slightly different, all of them, because they have to be right. um, in order for licensing to work. Um, and then I won't get into like naming names on this one, but sometimes when we get certain press releases on the media side of things, companies will say like, here's this new product. Please do not call this a figure because we're not allowed to call it a figure. It's not a figure. Oh, Even though if I'm like a consumer looking at it, I would call it a figure because that's what it is. But because of the licensing terminology and what they have been licensed and allowed to create, they can't call it a figure. Mm -hmm. They have to call it a collectible or a, you know, something else. And so that's where you get into that very, very specific terminology. Mm -hmm. And that is all of licensing. Yeah. That is very interesting. It is. And that's how you find it's like, it kind of goes back to that Funko bobblehead thing, right? Right. Right. Where it's like, that is a, a aesthetic, very small difference in the product, but it's enough of a difference that it's able to be differentiated as to what type of product it mm-hmm. is. And that's, that's the kind of minutia you're talking about with licensing. Right. And it's something just small enough that the consumer might not really notice, or they might not understand. Like they might say, why is this one, you know, a bobblehead, but, but my grimace isn't, why can't they just make them all like this? Well, right. That's why there is Absolutely. a reason. There is a reason. And then maybe like, you know, the, the size is a huge thing, right? Especially right now in action figures. And I think mm. that that is where it, the waters get a little muddier in terms of whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. Right. And I think it kind of depends. I think on one hand, like you were saying, consumer choice, it's great, right? Because if you want a, um, another great example that James used in one of his pieces was the, the Ecto uh, cars from Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. because now you can get Playmobil and you can get Hot yes. Wheels and Cheetah and this. Mm-hmm. And so there is a wealth of options, which is awesome. But if you're someone who is like a completist and wants to collect oh, yeah. all of uh, them, now it's suddenly like, where? why are there so many? So <laughs> that reminds me of a funny thing. So I've been collecting um, Batmobiles lately. Okay. Um, yep. Hot Wheels Batmobiles, uh, the Jada Batmobiles and stuff. And they're all different sizes. Yes. It's yes. all about size. Scale so, is a big thing. And so I have, let's take, for example, the, uh, 
the Batmobile from the 1989 Batman movie. I have the Hot Wheels one, which is smaller. I have the Jada one, which is bigger. So the other day I went to the store and I saw the same Batmobile that was a size in between of the two I have. And so I'm, I was sitting there for... <laughs> 10 minutes debating with myself. Do I need this Batmobile? No, but I want it, but it's only, it's the same thing. It's just slightly different size, but I still want it, but I don't really need it. (laughs) Yes, that's it. Exactly. And I think that's a prime thing of like the Fortnite example. Like if you're someone who loves Fortnite and you want to collect Fortnite, you're like, okay, I got all these really cool little mini ones and I'm going to see these, all of these Farland ones are bigger and more detailed. Like, do I need the in-between size though? Because maybe they have a different character. It's like, there's just so much to collect. And I guess that can be considered a good thing or a bad thing. It really kind of depends where you're coming from as a collector, as a a consumer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so far I did not buy that mid-sized Batmobile yet, but it's still on my (laughs) mind. I'm still thinking about it. So I may eventually get it. They're getting you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that, that's what's just, yeah, so interesting about it. And then, I mean, if we want to dovetail into a whole other part of licensing, oh, it yes. gets more complicated with fan art mm. and, and, and where that all plays in to right. licensing. That's a huge part of fandom, right? Is, mm-hmm. is the people who create tributes to their favorite characters. And that's where you're really getting into the gray areas of licensing <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. And to, to some super intricacies that like, you know, I'm not like a lawyer is probably who would you talk about legalities. That's above our pay grade. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, but I think it's important to note that like creating fan art or fan fiction or truly anything inspired by your favorite characters is legal on every sense of the word. The, the muddy waters get to when you try to sell it. That is where it becomes complicated. Because Cause it's the concept of profiting. You're profiting right. from this character that you did not create. And whereas the story might be your original <laughs> so. idea, the characters are not. Yeah, yeah I can right. definitely see that right. getting muddy. It gets very complicated. And you see brands that have a lot of power um, and larger, you know, people who have the lawyers to use for this, mm-hmm. like the Disney's of the world. Oh, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> they will crack down on... Etsy sellers who like that was a thing uh, to circle back to Grogu when there was that gap where everyone's like I want my baby Yodas where are they and people were popping up on Etsy creating them knitting them selling them mm-hmm. and Disney really cracked down on that right. and it's tough because I think from a fan consumer point of view a lot of people are like well, well this is outrageous <laughs> it's like I you know let these people create the cute Grogu thing that they made and like as a fan I get that point of view as well but as someone who's in the industry it's like they exist for a reason right because Mm -hmm. the product that they officially license has run through their standards and is like it has their name on it for a reason it is within the canon and within the parameters that they have set for the characters that they created like they it's with it's fully within their right it's just tough because like you want the fans to be able to express their creativity and there, and then you know, so it, it sure. gets muddy. It really, really does, and that's why you'll see some people who create things and sell them on Etsy or sell them at like Comic Cons or anything won't label the characters by their actual names. They mm. will like you know give it a new name or like 
or something like that um, to kind of yeah. say, oh, I'm not selling you a Star Wars piece of art. I'm selling you a galaxy adventure yep. piece of art, right? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> noticed, kind of I noticed that a lot with um, with face masks now. Like, of course, yes. it's a big thing. Great example. So everybody's yes. going to be putting out their versions um, yep. you see, all, I've seen all kinds of things on Etsy that it's a Darth Vader mask, um, but it's not called a Darth Vader mask. <laughs> it's like yep. Dark Lord or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that is why, because if they were marketing it as a Darth Vader mask, that's implying that you have licensed it. Right. And that's a really fine line to walk. And we walk that kind of with, with our coverage, right? Because we really love and and want to showcase talented fan artists and and things but it's you know you got to keep that line of like are they doing you know tributes or are they trying to market something that's not licensed and that it's it is really really tricky um especially when you get into product it's like it's wild you can but you can usually tell because people will it's very clearly marked if someone has the license because Mm. you know they want people to know right oh it's officially licensed this is licensed official the other thing is, we <laughs> like, you, but you can also understand. On the other hand, I know people might say, "Oh, you know, big company like Disney, what does it care?" and all that. But then, you know, with things like that, you have to be careful because you don't want to end up getting like uh, Fifty Shades of Grogu or something like that. You know, where it just right. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting <laughs> example. But yes, exactly. It is. It's tough because it's very very easy to be like oh disney why do you care about what some nice lady is knitting in ohio right but it's it's true that it's like it's it's like yes it, realistically that product that she made and 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 could you know is allowed to make she's just not allowed to sell it um probably won't do any harm to disney right it's just become that they have to draw a line and that line has to be pretty harsh because then they lose right. that um capital and that ownership of their characters um if they allow and it is i mean it is interesting because in other ways um i think a great example is like society six um is a really good example of disney making officially licensed product using fan created content um Mm. so there's a line now from society six where they got independent artists to do their own renditions of like, the, they started with a Mandalorian line yeah. and now they have a more general star Wars line. I actually have one of them right here. It's like a piece of it's, it's a Venn diagram and it, oh. it's red, blue and yellow. And in the middle is Darth Vader's head and it's his dark side <laughs> as the overlap. It's really cute. Right. So it's like a fun little star Wars doodle that you would see on something like Etsy. But what they did is that society six partnered with Lucasfilm and had commissioned these artists. And now they sell it as like wall art and tapestries and all of that, but it's officially licensed, even though it's not in that traditional way of like, Oh, it's just a picture of this character. It's a really creative use of licensing. So they've made this partnership so that, yeah. And I love stuff like that. They did, uh, Disney did something similar for soul. Uh, when soul came out, they Mm -hmm. did a collection, I believe it was on Amazon. You could shop it and they commissioned four black artists, six handful of black artists to draw, uh, or create original art inspired by the movie soul and mm. they put that on blankets and on water bottles and on all these things that you could buy and it was totally legit uh sanctioned and licensed by disney uh, but it mm. wasn't just you know a picture of the character so i love stuff like that as well um and i think 
that's something we're seeing a little bit more of. And I appreciate and enjoy that a lot because I think as fans, you want to see that love and that passion from the fans put into the product. And I think that's a really cool way to do it. Yeah, definitely. That that's a really good idea. (laughs) That's really smart. Yeah. Those are some of my, I love, I love when they do stuff like that. I think that's really interesting and cool. Um, for sure. And it kind of helps alleviate that gray area. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, for sure. you know, because, because it's hard. I mean, I know Disney of course has, you know, an army of lawyers and everything, but it's hard yes. to, to find everything sometimes I would imagine, you know, I'm sure there's stuff they, they don't even oh, know about totally. like, out there. I mean, if you search Etsy, you can find plenty of stuff that features, especially when you get to like lesser known stuff, like, you know, Shit's Creek or something like that, right? It's a pretty mm-hmm. new show. It's a pretty small show. There's right. a lot of stuff that's you, David, out there. But there is officially licensed Shit's Creek merchandise. There's a whole Shit's Creek store um, of officially licensed right. merchandise, and then they have uh, Funko Pops and things like that. So, like, mm-hmm. there is officially licensed merch, but there's so much out there that just features content from the show or lines from the show, and that's it's it's kind of inevitable in the age of the internet. And I don't think anyone does it with malintent. You know what I mean? It's just no, a really yeah. a, a, it's it's absolutely not. People do it because they love the shows, right. and they I love the, or say. the movies and the characters and the content. And so I think it's something to be, you know, not vilified or anything. It's right. just a legality that they have to try to keep in check, or else that's how you end up with some stuff that they really don't want on the market. Right. It's tough. License licensing gets tough. It's it's a very black and white legal binding thing. But when you bring in the actual consumers and the fans and the passion, that's when it gets complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, for sure. what always kills me is, is, um, when you get into some of the weirder things that are licensed, like, like you <laughs> kind of mentioned before, like you go to a grocery store and you see a bag of oranges with the Hulk on it and you're like, what, yep. what is the point oh, of that? I got but- a great, great example for you that I've been seeing lately oh, that's boy. cracking me up is, um, so licensed makeup has been a thing for a while, huh. uh, like beauty collections. Mm-hmm. So like you can, you know, uh, uh, Ulta just came out with a WandaVision collection that's really fun. And mm. and there's the Game of Thrones uh, makeup palette that was gorgeous. Oh, wow. And yeah, so that's been around for a while. But we're starting to see some very interesting makeup collabs. Like we, I got pitched one the other day for uh, Chipotle, like the, <laughs> the Mexican fast food restaurant <laughs> made a makeup line. And I was like, but what's funny is that it was like very executed (laughs) like it has a makeup sponge that looks like an avocado and the eyeshadow palette is designed to look like the um the the behind the counter at chipotle it's like a replica of that but it's an eyeshadow palette it's incredibly clever but it's just wild because that is a really solid example of licensing and very very creative licensing Mm, um and i think that really shows the power of what licensing can do right licensing isn't just like Oh, an action figure of Captain America. It can also be Chipotle makeup or, and I also peep peeps makeup, like the marshmallow peeps, like they have makeup, like, <laughs> yeah. So you can like, people can get really creative, especially in the beauty space. I also got, um, we also covered Mentos, like the mint candies. Oh, yeah. They partnered with, uh, Sally Henson nail polish for a line of nail polish colors that are inspired by the colors of Mentos. Right. Hmm. So this is all like, this is all licensing. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Oh, I never would have even imagined <laughs> yeah, right? Mentos, Mentos nail polish and Chipotle makeup. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. And there was um 
oh shoot one of the hot sauce brands did makeup so now i'm just going on a makeup tangent but truly like these brands that people have an affinity for um and we also did a great roundup um one of our writers on the pop insider of all of the food inspired stuff you can buy right so there's officially licensed merch for like taco bell and Mm. kellogg's and all of these stores and they have some very clever product that they sell um and you can just get it officially licensed with you know, you can get a giant inflatable um, Taco Bell hot sauce packet for your front yard. <gasps> like, truly, it's not. <laughs> there's so much stuff out there. <laughs> like, it's it's mind-blowing. But what it is, is, I feel like we, we're at this place where people have really strong brand affinity. And I don't know if that's because of our influencer culture, where it's like, I love this specific type of hot sauce. I love mm. this specific restaurant. I love this specific can. Candy, and that becomes part of your identity and now you can like have things that are that you have makeup because you love chipotle and it's i think very smart marketing honestly i i mean i maybe some maybe maybe i'm feeling a little optimistic today and <laughs> maybe some people are like why on earth would you do chipotle makeup that's absurd what is our society but like it's fun <laughs> it's a really clever use of licensing because i think chipotle you would automatically think like oh you know maybe some chipotle branded salsa in the grocery store because that's a very natural fit mm. for chipotle but when people get really creative with licensing again this is why i think it's so cool there's some person on one of those two teams that was like hey guys i have a weird idea what if we partnered with this company and made chipotle makeup and then they made the meeting happen they made the contract happen they made the product happen <laughs> and it's fun <laughs> i love it well you know i mean it's like some people might say well that's stupid why make why why make chipotle makeup but then if you think it's stupid, you don't have to buy it. But there might be some people. I mean, there must be. They must have test marketed it. So there must be some interest in it somewhere. Yeah. And for those it's people, lot- it's probably really a, a really great thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just when you go on that, like wild, it's almost like for the novelty of it. Like, right. Like, I mean, I like Chipotle. I don't have some like passion for Chipotle, but I'm like, oh, this avocado <laughs> makeup thing hysterical do i need to buy this maybe (laughs) (laughs) so it's cool i think like creative use of licensing is awesome i think there's it's just so fun uh to see what people do with that i think you know the the garbage pill kids wwe thing i was talking about earlier Mm. is another great example of very creative licensing um where you're not just using the brand in a way that you would expect where it's like okay let's make action figures of this character and I mean, of course, that's important. There's a market for that. There's so many people who, who want that. And that's not a bad thing. Same with like putting stills on a t-shirt. Like that happens for a reason. People like right. that stuff. They're going to buy that stuff. It it has a place in the market for sure. Um, but when you get those more creative items, I'll use the loyal subjects again. They're doing some very creative licensed stuff right now. Um, they also did a, a line of Easter eggs that just came out. Mm. Um, they're colored Easter eggs. They look like it would have like candy in it. You open it up and it has alien figures inside of it. As oh, in like yeah. xenomorphs and and fake huggers and Jasper. I just heard yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, it's so clever. It's so clever that and, is. and That's fun. Really good. Weird. And it's like you know you wouldn't think like oh, oh uh, alien would make a great Easter collectible. Like no, but they did it and it's fun. And it, and like when you take the plastic off of the egg, like it has a pattern. And we take it off, it looks like the alien eggs that you see in the right movie with the little thingy on top (laughs) i don't know how to describe that um but it's so clever right and that's licensed because they don't own alien they worked with them and they were like we have 
you know, had this idea to use the alien eggs in a completely different way. And I think seeing stuff like that is so cool and clever Mm. um, and really creative uses of licensing. And I think, you know, that's maybe also where licensing is good because it lets a lot of people use that creativity and be like, what can we do with this? That's new and different and, and exciting and something that consumers haven't seen before. I mean, cause aliens been around for quite a while yep. and you've seen plenty of alien products, but, but never this before. So, you know, in a way that's where it's a really positive thing. Yeah. That's really, so. like, things, uh, that's really interesting that they can, like you said, they can get real creative if they want to like that alien Easter egg thing. At first you think, well, that's kind of dumb. But if you really, the more I think about it, I'm like, Oh, now I got to get them. <laughs> <laughs> right right exactly you want them it's cool well it's interesting it's different it's using a brand that you know and you're interested in you care about and they're doing something different with it and i think that's where licensing shines when mm-hmm. they do things like that yeah the most um yeah those are some good examples I mean, there's so many there's so many good examples there's of uh, of really smart partnerships you know what i mean like um it, it, i think both there's things where it's such a natural fit and it works so well. Like when um, Black Panther came out and Rock Love Jewelry, which is does a lot of fandom jewelry. Right. Um, they made the the beads, the Black Panther beads right, that right. the characters, you know how Shuri invents the beads that he wears mm-hmm. and she wears, um, they made those bracelets. And so I think that's just a perfect example of like, oh, there was this thing that now we can recreate in a functional way and it's right. licensed and it's like a replica, but you can really wear it. But then there's also those out of the box, like you would, never expect them to partner with this company and they did and the outcome was cool and i think in, in all of those cases it makes for cool and good product uh, across the board i think yeah. it's easy to be jaded and be like oh you know there's so much and, and whatever but it's cool it's really really cool yeah it is um yeah and i know we talked about licensing expo very briefly but oh yeah but for anybody who isn't familiar with licensing expo which i wasn't until i was basically on a plane going to it <laughs> um which was a very cool experience um, very, I'm very fortunate that I went to licensing expo because it's very cool. Um, so I think a lot of people might be familiar with like Toy Fair New York. Um, uh-huh. and it's basically like reverse Toy Fair, <laughs> which is, I think the simplest way to say, so like a Toy Fair, you have all the companies set up, right? So you have like your Figpin and your loyal subjects and your Funko and all of those would have a booth there. And the people who are coming to see their new product, Rain, it ranges. So, like, obviously, someone like myself would be going to see what's new uh, as someone in the media to cover what's coming. Right. Then you also would have people who are buyers from, like, your Target, your Walmarts, and your et cetera, to see if they want to carry the product, as well as, like, local toy stores, local collector stores. But then you also have your uh, IP holders. So, people who would be going to see, like, do I want my show, like, this kids show that just launched on my network i'm looking for people making toys that i think would do well with my show right that would be then when you get to licensing expo you have the opposite so all of the booths are those shows so like sony has a booth and um yeah so there's a sony booth and there's a bbc booth and then they have like um there's a couple big agencies that represent most of the music artists that would, that would license their likeness. Um, and all basically all the major studios, um, have a booth. Disney has like a whole floor. <laughs> you have to like, sure, it's yeah. crazy. I couldn't, you couldn't, yeah, I didn't even get into the Disney floor. Um, Mattel has a huge space because they also have original IP, um, et cetera. So then what it's the reverse, the toy companies and the manufacturers and the licensing or not like the collectibles 
manufacturers come around and meet with these people to be like, hi, I make these bobbleheads that I think you should put your character on. And they set those meetings and that's where they start having those conversations and they get um, early views of things. Um, I didn't get as much of that cause I'm media. And so like, I didn't have to get to see the cool like previews, but I got to see a few. Um, <laughs> so that's how they get things started early. Right. So like, um, when I was there, um, I went to the legacy booth and they were about to release, um, oh, that Amazon prime show about the fairies. Uh, and oh. so I saw the carnival row. So they yes. showed that the trailer for that was, uh, one of the things in their presentation in their booth that year. And they were finding, they were searching for companies who would want to make products based on that right so that's how licensing expo works they're going to be like i have this show and this movie coming out and what do you make and why should you be the one that gets to make you know clothes or collectibles or games or whatever inspired by Mm. this show and so that's what licensing expo is and it's very interesting and i think what's even more interesting again there's so much more to this (laughs) than people think i feel like such a weirdo because i'm like licensing is so cool but it is Um, because you also see a lot of there's so much to it because you also see a lot of people who are manufacturers are also licensing things bear with. <laughs> so like Hasbro, for example, Hasbro makes a lot of licensed product, but Hasbro also licenses a lot of product because mm. they will license out um, a really great example. Well, it's more complicated now that Hasbro owns E1 because E1 has a bunch of, uh, intellectual property like peppa pig and pms and all that speaking on the kid side of things um but a great example is that hasbro owns uh wizards of the coast which creates magic the gathering right right. and magic the gathering while hasbro hasbro is the one that's creating the like actual cards and the the product for magic the gathering but magic the gathering has a very large fan base magic the gathering Mm -hmm. people are you know would buy shirts and buy books and buy um you know accessories and Funko Pops and things like that with characters from Magic or D&D. And so Hasbro now becomes a licensor because they own that property and they are looking mm. for people to create that. They have um, mm. that, they have My Little Pony um, and things like that where they, and then on their games as well. So like you'll see people who have like, you know, clue themed stuff, right? And Hasbro like, owns that. So, and, and same with Mattel because they have a, uh, a bunch of characters that they have created and whenever those characters are going to appear in something that isn't a toy that Mattel created they are now licensing this right. product so it's just it's it's a very like <laughs> it's a, it's an endless <laughs> cycle and it's fascinating it's like it's it, yeah. it's like a whole and so they're at, so they're at, li- they're at licensing expo too Mattel, Mattel and Hasbro are at licensing expo but they're there showing what they have to be like, ah, like masters of the universe, great example for Mattel, right? right? They own that. They created masters of the universe. So obviously they make all the toys for it because they own it. So they don't have to, they don't have to license that character because they own that character, He-Man. But if you wanted He-Man Funko Pops and He-Man shirts and a He-Man, um, you know, notebook, all of that has to be licensed. And since Mattel owns it, they're looking now for somebody to create the product that's licensed. So it's, it's very, yeah, it's, very interesting, complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then to top it off on top of that, some of the bigger toy companies like your Hasbro's, your Mattel's will license out the manufacturing of a toy or product, which is a whole other level that a lot of people don't know about. But for example, <laughs> um, levels, people levels, <laughs> so many levels. Uh, but yeah. So like, um, I'm trying to think of an example people would have heard of, um, light bright 
is a great example. Sure. Lightbright is owned by Hasbro. They, but Hasbro licenses the rights to make Lightbright to Basic Fun. So Basic Fun is another toy company, and they're the okay. ones who are producing and selling Lightbright right now. Wow. But if you look on the back of it, it'll have a little Hasbro logo, too, because Hasbro owns it. Yeah. So it's fascinating, right? Because mm. <laughs> it is IP in it, but it's in an even bigger scale because not only are you making something that has light bright on it, they're actually making light bright and other light bright products. Right. But the concept of light bright is, is a concept that they are paying to borrow. Hmm. It's wild. It really <laughs> yeah. is. It really is. Now, I was, yeah. I was just thinking, and then, I mean, the same goes for monopoly and that's another great example. Oh, um, monopoly. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're familiar with the op monopoly, right? So you know how there's like a bajillion different types of monopoly. Like every fandom has its own yep. monopoly. Of course. Hasbro, Hasbro makes some of those, right, themselves in-house. But there's also companies like The Op, also uh, USAopoly is their full name. Hmm. Uh, they produce a lot of fandom Monopoly games. Oh, I so that's another that. example of that double licensing, where they're licensing, they were licensing the Monopoly name and the Monopoly rules and the Monopoly-like mechanisms from hmm. Hasbro. But they are wow. licensing the characters and the places and all of that from you know, Marvel or DC or, uh, crunchy, or, you know, an anime, uh, crunchy or Funimation or one of those companies. Huh. Uh, because yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's, that is. <laughs> it's I had so no cool. Idea. Yeah. 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 This is amazing. Licensing goes deep. There's so much. It really it. does. It's, it's, it's it really does. wild. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because most of the time you go to the store, you buy your favorite product from your favorite, you know, fandom, whatever, and you never once think about what it takes yeah. to get that to your hands. And it, it's there's yeah. so it's much wild because you don't, there. There's so much there. Even that basic T-shirt that just has the mm-hmm. screenshot from the show on it, like that still has a licensing contract behind it. That had an approval process behind it. That had so much work done by so many different parties just to create that shirt. And then right. it gets more and more complicated as you get into more and more creative uses of the IP. So yeah, it's fascinating. And I think, you know, there's multiple strategic reasons when you get into that, like licensing your full, a full brand, like Lightbright or Monopoly. Um, but so, I mean, like Hasbro has so much bandwidth, but they still don't, there's still a finite amount of bandwidth they have, right? right. <laughs> they can't create, maybe they don't have the time and resources to, to produce 17 different types of Monopoly this year, but USAopoly, that's like their bread and butter. That is what they do. So by letting them use the Monopoly mechanisms, it's furthering the Monopoly brand for Hasbro. Mm-hmm. It's furthering whatever brand they're in characters they're putting into this new Monopoly. But it's also good for USAopoly because they're creating and selling this product. So it's, yeah, mm. it's it's really interesting and an integral part of how our market functions, but something that, you know, because it doesn't, you're right, it doesn't really impact you, right? Like all you see is like, oh, this very cool action figure that I want. Great, let me buy it, you know? And then maybe right. look for other ones in the same line, but you're not necessarily having to think through because that's when good licensing happens, right? You don't have to think about it. You're like, Oh, this is just a cool product that I can buy. Mm. Yeah. But it also explains why sometimes I think again, maybe Funko is a great example uh, because Funko is kind of like the ultimate license, like King, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I like cannot even imagine how how many licensing contracts that that company has written and signed like good Lord, like kudos to whoever does that part of their business. Um, but that's why, you know, sometimes, I mean, obviously they have to make choices based on what's popular and what they think will sell, et cetera. But when you have people being like, well, why have you never made this character before? 
it's a good chance it has to do with licensing, right? Like maybe the company's not ready to license yet, or they are still negotiating the terms of the licensing, or, you know, there's so many different things going on behind the scenes there. Like they just came out with Hamilton Funko Pops, like oh, a yes. month or two ago. I, like, I pre-ordered sure, them all for I'm my sure wife. Funko, <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure Funko would have loved to make Hamilton Funko Pops, like as oh, soon right. as it hit the big boom, but you don't, I, I don't, I can't tell you what's exactly going on behind the scenes there, but maybe there was, you know, a certain amount of time that there was exclusivity with the merch for the Broadway show, or maybe there was, you know, there's so many things that could be happening there. And it's not necessarily just, Oh, Funko didn't want to make Hamilton Funko pops because right. of course they did. Like, are you kidding me? That's, that's like crazy <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah. Winning money. Yes. So it's not necessarily that Funko is like, you know, not listening to you or not, you know, <laughs> right, whatever. Right. But they going on there they can't just decide oh you know what we're gonna make today because they have to go to that company that owns the intellectual property and negotiate the terms and figure out exactly you know what they are and are not allowed to do with right. those care so on that yeah, there's a lot more note, to it than just why aren't you making right on that same note i just recently discovered that they're coming out with a line of seinfeld um funko pops and my my just announced the other day yes and the I look and they're awesome. I I'm going to get them all like, you know, they're like Pokemon. I'm going to catch all of them. But, um, I was thinking (laughs) in regards to our, our podcast this evening, I was thinking about that and what it must've been like for Funko. What, what hoops they had to go through to get the license for Seinfeld, which is a show that hasn't aired in like 30 years or whatever it was, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, so how, you know, you wonder how difficult was it for that and, and things right. like that. It's a good, and it, I wonder, it was definitely a big deal. Like not a, not I'm saying not a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal, right? Like there's a lot of Seinfeld fans, right. but it was, it was a large scale license deal because it was like a whole day of reveals and it wasn't just their Funko Pops. They launched a whole new line of collectibles with this, like, I don't know if you saw this where you can like get, pieces of the Seinfeld like living yes. room with a figure yes, and then combine them. Oh yeah. yes. So that's a whole hype <laughs> figure for Funko. So they have that license deal happening. And then they had the traditional Funko pop figures and then they had apparel and they had, because Funko owns Loungefly, So they have the Loungefly right, accessories right. inspired by Seinfeld and then Funko owns Funko games. And so Funko games has a new item inspired by oh, yeah. Seinfeld. So, and it was very well coordinated effort of licensing across the Funko subsidiaries. Like we knew about, I guess I, I can probably say this now cause it's been announced, <laughs> but I've known about the Seinfeld game for a while because we, we saw it in a, in a toy preview under embargo, but because ah, yeah. it was part of this larger deal, obviously we weren't allowed to talk about it uh, or share it or read about it until it came out with the full Seinfeld collection last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's then, how it goes. And these things are, that's what I mean when I say these are in production for so long, like, right known that that game i didn't know about the larger collection uh as, as much but I, I you know heard about the game knew the general mm-hmm. concept of the game a couple months ago uh but they weren't able to announce it yet so it's these things are in the works for a long time and also <laughs> for, <laughs> there's just truly so much Derek. i love no it's I fine love go it. ahead um but like <laughs> if we want to bring it to a current topic with covid COVID has wreaked havoc on licensing when it comes to movies specifically Mm. Uh, because it's, you know, fine tuned, especially if we're going to talk like the Marvels of, of the world and the Disney's of when, you know, the trailer comes out 
out and then the merch comes out and then the movie comes out and then more merch comes out. Right. And we, with COVID, there's some weird stuff happening <laughs> <laughs> with the merch because I think, you know, <laughs> Black Widow is the prime example, I, was I think. Because, yep. yes, because we really hit that at the time where the trailer had come out. And then the merch had come out right? and we were just about the movie was going to come out and then more merch would have come out. But COVID happened between the merch and the movie. So there was already apparel. There was collectibles. There's, you know, all this Black Widow stuff. There was Black Widow toys, Black Widow shirts, Black uh-huh. Widow fig pins, black, all this Black Widow stuff. Actually, not the fig pins yet. That actually falls into uh, the later merch. And so then the movie didn't happen. And so all this merch has been out. It's been for sale. And then you have all these people who had like merch that was going to come out big pin is one of them uh and i guess didn't really know what to do with it right because right. following the normal trajectory the movie would have come out then they would have released their merch and the movie still hasn't come out right. <laughs> they ended up releasing theirs and they put in their blog post about it they're like we just have these we didn't know when to release them yeah, what so do you do it's you go like this is and completely new what do you do Yes, and another example, obviously not, uh, this is another one that's not as much for the adults, but uh, collectors, but the Minions movie was also supposed to come out right right after the shutdowns happened. So the toys for Minions, uh, debuted at Toy Fair, came out, they were like on shelf, and then the movie got delayed. And now the movie has been delayed until next year, instead of going to streaming. So for both Black Widow and Minions, and um, there wasn't as much merch for No Time Time to Die, but there's a little bit. and there's merch for what else hasn't come out? Um, there's there's definitely oh well now it's come out but Wonder Woman uh, with all of it right its delays the merch there was crazy and so you just have these movies that the product is out but the movie's not out and then by the time we see the movie <laughs> is there any merch left do people care like it's so right. weird it's so funny and odd and it has wreaked total havoc because even the movie release dates that are out aren't fine right they keep changing because at this point nothing's strong mm-hmm. they keep changing and so even though like disney's pretty confident on this may release for black widow you never know right oh right and so like do these companies try to reach their merch do they like like what do they do like it's very right, yeah. strange um and that's been a side i mean obviously in the scheme of the world like not the biggest issue but it, it's fascinating um, because it, it's this well-oiled machine that has completely derailed a little less completely now, because I think everybody's got a little bit more of a, right. a sense of what's happening. Like all of the Warner brothers titles, knowing that they're coming out on HBO max, people can still plan like right. the Godzilla versus Kong merch has been showing up in the past couple weeks, the way that you would normally expect mm-hmm. because there isn't that, Oh, what if it, you know, doesn't happen because it's going to go on HBO max. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's just very strange. Very, very strange. Like I, uh, for a feature I wrote um, for the Pop Insider, I spoke with a few manufacturers who experienced this, and they said it's just been very strange. Um, I talked to uh, Tony Kim at Hero Within, which is an apparel company, and they made some Wonder Woman product. And he was, it was just so strange. He said because they, when they kept moving the date, like, like they just didn't know. Normally, they would have released their collection. Right. And it was like, you know, here's the collection. I'll go wear it to see the movie. But instead it ended up having to be this like slow trickle of like, here's a product. So, you know, now, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. So that's now, on that note, like in, in a case like that, do they tell their licensors what's going on or they just let them, you know, deal with that's it? A really, 
Yeah, I don't a hundred percent know to be completely honest with you, but I think they must, right. They must let them know. Um, and I think that's why like, uh, a more recent example, Ray and the last dragon with the oh, Disney merch, yep. that was a more normal release, right? Because right. Disney decided it's going to come out this one day. And because the merch hadn't started coming for that, because it, it was, you know, far enough into the year that the merch hadn't been released yet. And then Disney pushed it. And then Disney was like, Oh, it's going to come out on Disney plus. So then they were able to do a more traditional, like we're dropping all the right Disney right in the last dragon merch now. Um, where there's been less consistency and certainty on that. I mean, even with like, like another example for you is the Disney plus shows, right? Because Mm. they planned the release order. for that was planned differently. It was supposed to be Falcon and the winter soldier Mm -hmm. first. So the first product that we saw for any of these Disney plus shows was the Falcon and the winter soldier Mm -hmm. prop rep shield from Hasbro, the, the Marvel legends line. We saw that back in like October, I think of like a while. We saw it a while, a while ago. Right. Um, because that was supposed to be the first show, but then it wasn't. <laughs> not right, at all. Yeah. I mean, it's second, not too far off, but it, you know, it, it the whole timeline changed. But on, and on the other hand with that, since the timeline changed and WandaVision ended up coming out first, but we haven't seen a lot of WandaVision merchandise yet. We've seen yes, some. Yes, we have not. You're correct. I have a lot of feelings about one edition merch. We've seen some. It's getting better. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> some of the, some of the, I mean, spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched WandaVision, but I mean, if you haven't, come on. Yeah. Um, the, the merch inspired by her finale look. Yeah, watch it. Pause this right now. Go watch it. Then come back. That is much more important. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> but the stuff inspired by, well, not much more, but it's important to what I'm about to say. Um, her finale look with her Scarlet Witch yes, yes. ensemble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch it right now. And it's a really cool look. And they, there's a lot of very cool merch across the board with that look on it. Right. Um, like you can get a replica of her headpiece. There's a, uh, her universe, uh, ensemble inspired by the, by the, uh, finale look. There's, you know, multiple collectibles. Um, diamond select has one hot toys has one Hasbro has one. um, so in that respect, the merch has been good, but I don't think what I think they banked on that being the cool like thing that people wanted, but I don't know if they expected the amount of popularity that would come with things like Agatha or, right. you know, even wanting merch inspired by Darcy and Wu. Like that ended up being one of the like standouts from the show. Like right. everyone loved their dynamic and loved those characters and there's no merch yet. Right. And so I think they, it kind of goes to this concept of it's hard to know what's going to be a hit. And I think because there's so much content, they're not going to bank on it until they know. And so now mm-hmm. that they know, maybe we'll start seeing more merchandise. I really hope so because there's so much, there's so much to be done with WandaVision merch. Um, I really want, mm, okay. I, I was on a mighty Marvel geeks talking about my dream WandaVision <laughs> Lego set. I'm like, maybe now that I've talked about it twice, Lego will just like hear it in the cosmos <laughs> and make it. But I'm picturing like a Lego set where you build all of the different rooms from the different deck. Oh yeah. Decades, yeah. And the bricks go from black and white. Or, oh, I want it so badly. Um, <laughs> and then we're talking about, like, there's so much, there's so much stuff they could make inspired by WandaVision. Oh, yeah. 
Like I'm hoping that we, I'm really hoping that they capitalize on it. Like I really hope so because there's just so much possibility the, for really, really cool stuff. Like clothes inspired by all of her decades outfits. Like there's just, there's so much. And like, I mean, all, I mean, truly like first steps of Darcy, Darcy and Wu Funko Pops. Um, right. <laughs> like let's get that happening. Yeah. But. And action yeah, figures. I think it's, and- yes. And so I think stuff has to be a little more reactionary because we're in this era where it's so hard to guess what's gonna. Right pick up like what's going to be the thing that people are going to enjoy because there's so much content out there i mean you have some givens right like avengers endgame like there was no question that that was going to be right what it was and that there was a demand for product and they could develop that product if far in advance but with something like wandavision this is like a brand new gamble for disney plus and mm-hmm. do they how much i think they have to toe a line of how much do they say how much money and like resources and it's not just Disney making this call, right? It's these these companies that would produce it because they have to pay to license the characters. And like, is it worth right. spending that money to license it, spend that money to make it and not know if it's going to be a hit or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of the line that everybody is walking in the studios and the companies because there's there's so much content. There's so much. And there's so few surefire things anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so few. Truly, like the new Marvel movies are some of the only, and you know, are some of the only things like that that are really it's those yeah, big really. franchises. There's a couple. There's a couple examples. I mean, Star Wars movies and and some of the DC content, but only to a certain extent. Even you know the the non Avengers Marvel movies. You, there's there's just I think a lot of like let's wait and make sure that people like this and want to buy it. Right. And then we will make stuff inspired by it. Well, I can understand. I mean, it's smart. WandaVision it's was, was <laughs> WandaVision was definitely a gamble in that regards because it's it's yep it is something completely different. It's it's a unique show. Um, there are people who gave up on it after watching only two episodes, and uh, shame yep. on you, people. Um, <laughs> yes, agreed. If you're I, one of those people. I understand. <laughs> Go watch it. <laughs> yes, I understand that you might not have have um, you might have been confused by what the first two episodes were. I get all that, but it's yeah. it's Marvel people. You have you, you gotta have some faith in them now. I mean, twenty three movies, and you know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh it was so good but yeah it's a gamble especially when it was entering because i think in the box office marvel you know rules right there is no equivalent right now to what it means to put on a marvel movie like that's they're almost all massive successes and so there's less of a question um there in terms of success but entering the streaming arena where it's like what's right the most popular thing. It's like, I think that's just really, I think a crux of what of a lot of the changes we're seeing in licensing is, is that, that it's just no longer these surefire things anymore. Um, just due to the sheer amount of competition that we see in the entertainment world for kids, for fans, for, for everybody. There's just so much, so right. much. And it's hard to know. Like, um, mm-hmm. it's really hard to like the, the Ray and the last dra- dragon, um, Nobody, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, some people had some idea, I'm sure, but a lot of people weren't sure if it was going to be a big hit or not. Right. And I, right. Haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but I have not heard, I haven't really heard anything bad about it. I've been hearing a lot of good things. So, 
You know? Yeah, me as well. I did. I did watch it, and I actually was. Uh, we just had a, a our Toy Insider brand did a giveaway uh, with some uh, plush toys inspired by the show, and there was mm. pretty strong demand for them. Um, but it's still almost different. Like it's like even though it's been very well, well critically acclaimed, and a lot of people are watching it, and it's very you know being well received. It's like still not like how much is it generating for? It's, it's just all hard to gauge especially mm. in this age of streaming right right like frozen that's another one they were not ready for frozen nobody mm. knew what was going to happen with frozen in terms of licensing um it was a little before my time in the industry but my colleagues have told me about like how all of a sudden there was just this massive <laughs> massive demand for frozen toys and and disney wasn't ready because they didn't expect that um and i don't think we're going to quite see that matched with with raya but um i think they're more prepared certainly right, <laughs> now yeah. but that was that frozen like me was very quantifiable with the box office and then again right now with with covid specifically but in terms of of tv shows and content with streaming and how little streaming data is is made public Mm. um it's hard to know sometimes like what the most popular things are and like is this actually popular enough to warrant i'm sure i'm sure like netflix will share more of that data with the companies that they're trying you know that they want to make merchandise inspired by the show i'm sure they get i would hope they get more of that data than we would um but just you know generally it's it's always there's just so much to watch right like are you gonna have that consumer demand and it's easier to test pilot like a couple little products than it is to launch a full huge consumer product line with the show like i think another great example is uh stranger things like there's a lot of stranger things merch out there like a lot um and it's still being made and everything but it's been very piecemeal. It's been very like, oh, here's some figures from McFarlane. And then here, uh, Bandai just came out, literally like two days ago, Bandai came out with uh, some Stranger Things figures. Then Hasbro did some games and Polaroid did a line with them and Case oh. Defy did a line with them. But it's been very like over the course of time and one product at a time and not this like, this company is the Stranger Things company and they make all the Stranger Things toys. Right. And, and that's a very, very popular show. Like, you know, I don't know very many people who've not seen that, mm. but even then it doesn't have that like master toy license. And it, it's not to say that that practice has been completely done away with. I mean, we still get, you know, announcements about master toy licenses all the time, but I think it's just becoming less of the norm as the way we can, we consume things is changing. So the way that we produce the product and keep it on the shelves has to change as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I think just like anything else, it, it evolves and changes mm-hmm. as it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's finding the bumps, right? Because right. like, while we're getting more merch, we're also getting that overflux of too many of some things. And then I think it's got to find that equilibrium of like, how do we have both of those things? How do we have the space for companies to create their own versions of these characters, but also not end up with a market that's flooded with right. like, I feel like it's almost blasphemous to say this because I love baby Yoda, love Grogu own a bunch of baby Yoda stuff. Like, <laughs> Please don't get me wrong. But I was covering all of the Mando Monday stuff that oh, came out with season yes. two. Mm-hmm. And some days I was like, there, there's too much. There is too much Baby Yoda <laughs> stuff. Like, <laughs> we have reached capacity. We've hit the tipping point. There is too much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just trying to figure out where where that line is of, right. of what is meeting consumer demand and what is uh, too much. Because when you're doing a in a reactionary way where it's like oh this is a hit great let's make a ton of merch which is exactly what happened with baby yoda mm-hmm. is it too much like is there enough of a market that we need this many baby yoda plush and 
you know, a literally a baby Yoda everything. Like that is the point we got to. <laughs> right. And again, I bought a lot of it. You know, it's it's it served a purpose. I, but sure. where is I love baby Yoda, but I do. I totally do. I have it. But it's but it's just like is there too much? Like, is it becoming overwhelming where you also lose the impact of how cool the stuff is, right? Because like if right. you can suddenly get baby Yoda on everything. It's like, do I, what do I need him on? Right. Like, do I need to get all of this or like, do I need, like, what do I want? What do I need? And, and people miss like when there's so much stuff coming out for a show or a movie. Um, and that's why I feel, I feel like mildly conflicted on the Mando Mondays and now Marvel must haves is the new one. Oh yeah. For all of the Disney plus shows, if you're familiar where they show the new licensed product for each week of the Disney plus Marvel series. And it's like, again, the good and the bad, like, it's great because I'm like, Oh, every week here's cool new stuff that's being put out. But it's also when there's so much, it's easy to miss things. Right. Um, whereas when you only have these few huge key launches for a show, you're like, Oh, you're in the know and you, you can figure out what's, what new product there is. So I don't know. I think we're, we're at a really interesting place for licensing. I think that's the big takeaway here. Um, that it's, it's changing a lot right Definitely. now in, in a lot of key ways as, as entertainment is, um, for sure. And some of it's good. But, I mean, I think it's probably better to have Yeah, some of it's good, some of it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) As is with most things, though. I guess you could say the same about non-licensed product, but... (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Some of it's good, some of it's not. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole different thing with with the (laughs) non-licensed and the knockoffs and the bootlegs and the... Oh my gosh, bootlegs and knockoffs. Yeah, that's a whole other a whole other part of <laughs> this conversation. It's also both my pay grade, but yeah. <laughs> it is fascinating. It is, it is. It is. They're funny, some of those, like when you see the pictures of of knockoffs of, of certain characters. Very funny. Yeah. Um, I love when they, they take characters an example you know of, and call them something else and repaint that them. That is why they have to crack down, though. That is exactly mm-hmm. Yes, but that's why Disney has to crack down on the poor lady knitting her Baby Yoda stuff in Ohio because right. they have to enforce the rules for everyone to stop the poorly painted figure that's renamed, you know, some close version of a Star Wars character because right. they have to be able to shut that down because that or it might not meet safety requirements. It might not right. meet, you know, consumers, like, consumer safety is a huge deal. And if they're allowing any product to get through that, has their IP that isn't sanctioned by them, then it becomes really difficult for them to, mm. to make sure that they're putting out stuff that meets consumer safety that's regulations. That's a whole so, other topic in I mean, itself. That's a, it's a whole, it's, I mean, the internet has made that even a whole, mm. oh man. Yeah. That's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other <laughs> podcast episode, but yeah, it's crazy. Still ties into licensing though. Cause IP. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's yep. all tied in. Um, it's all tied in. It's a fascinating industry. If you told me, if you told me in high school or even in college that I would know this much about the toy and collectible industry and how much there is to know about it, you know, as someone who's so interested in it, yes, absolutely, in the minutia of it, you know, as somebody who always just bought Funko Pops or whatever, like you said, you, even if you're an avid fan, you don't always think like about the huge, huge industry that is fueling the creation of the shows you love, the creations of the movie you love, the creations of the product you're buying, and it, right. it's, it's a big industry full of very cool people and and uh there's a lot to learn about it i mean i'm still learning i i know i just talked about licensing for like two hours but i'm still learning a lot <laughs> there's still a lot to learn which is why i wanted to do this yeah episode. there is and it's really yeah oh i thought of another good example oh. of uh licensing the 
the uh, arcade machines is another oh. one they wouldn't think of, right? Because it's not a character, but it's a game. Right. Those like at home arcade machines, how you can get them in like every single size, and those video game companies are licensing out the use and appearance of their classic arcade games at different sizes. So you have you know your arcade one ups, you have your super impulse like little tiny ones you have the replicate series you have my arcade and they're all slightly different and that's why they're all able to use a lot of the same titles mm-hmm. it's all licensed it's, so, it's such a crazy world yeah <laughs> it is it is it's fascinating <laughs> i'm glad you you think so too because it's like oh, I do. it's like I a do. really niche interest but it's really cool it's really cool how much goes into this um into this you know the toy you buy the collectible you buy there's so much that goes into it and even after all this, I feel like we barely even scratched the surface. <laughs> Truly, we like that is it exactly, and it's it's just so interesting. Mm. I mean, yeah, I like it. Just keeps going. Like licensed music is a whole other ball game, right? Ugh. That's the whole thing about like why you can't put certain music in the background of stuff. Yep. That's licensing um, because you have to purchase the right to use somebody else's intellectual property, which in that case is, is a song. Um, and then when you, and that's example of actually you becoming a licensor. If you are creating a project and you want to use a certain song, you have to pay to use it. You are licensing the right to use it. And that's a prime example of how that trickles down into to everyday stuff. Even if I wanted to sing a particular song right now on this podcast, I would not be able to do it. Or, you know, I'd get in trouble for doing it if they if they caught me because I didn't pay the licensing yeah. fee for that particular song. Yes, yes. And that's how, I mean, every show you watch when they play music in the background of a scene, that is being licensed. And that's why you have, like, um, there's certain artists who are really picky about their music being licensed for shows mm-hmm. and movies. And, because, and so it's like, that's, it's all, all tied together. But what's also crazy about actually music is a perfect example of of the small things making a difference in the licensing. Because if you take a song Mm -hmm. and you play it, you know, you play it a certain way, it's a certain song. But if you change it up just a little bit, it could be considered a whole different song, even though it's still basically the same. The same song. Yeah, it's wild. There's so many like you see things like that in the music world a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then you could see like situations where only a certain amount of a song is licensed. Like you can, it, it's just so wild. It really is. Right. Um, and then in terms of an artist, like I think a lot of it, <laughs> we also have been touched on there's IP, but then people can be licensed too. I think that's also very important oh. because like we're talking about characters and things that have been created, but like whenever you get a shirt with like Beyonce's face on it, that's licensed too. Beyonce is not necessarily like, you know, nobody created Beyonce is a real person, right. obviously, but she as herself is, is something that can be licensed. Like her likeness, you pay to use that too. You can't just put right. Beyonce on a shirt and sell it. Um, so that's a whole other section of licensing. People, there, I touched on this a little during licensing expo, but um, when people want to create action figures of, of actual people, of actors, of musicians, etc. You have to license that too. Of athletes, mm-hmm. all of that, all licensing. It's like, yep. I have, uh, I have a Funko Pop of Weird Al Yankovic. He's a yeah. real. He's not a character. Well, he's a character, but he's not a character. <laughs> uh, I have, I have <laughs> Bob Ross. Um, 
Bob Ross is a huge license right now. There's a yes. lot of Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes. And so all of these people are a lot of times there's um, agencies that represent a lot of these people and they will, you know, license out their likeness, mm-hmm. uh, um, which is a whole other section of it. That's, that's fascinating to me. Like, how yes. cool must it be to be somebody who has to have their face licensed? Like, okay. I know, right? Um, an interesting kind of an interesting like that's like one. making it in life right i know right an interesting one for me is like stan lee you take stan lee like he can be both a character and a real live person depending on which angle you go with it that is mm-hmm. and so and it's interesting because people like oh so the stan lee example it's uh pow and entertainment is the company that he created mm-hmm. and they're the ones who, so like if, you know, Funko, when Funko makes a Stanley Funko pop, it's with Pow Entertainment is who is licensing Stan's appearance to Funko to let them make this product or let him appear in X, Y, or Z. Like they, they license him out. Like there's these, like, it's part of these businesses and their contracts that they own Stanley's likeness, right. even though, you know, it's, not, it's so weird. It it's is. So interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but yeah. We could, like we, we could go on for hours, but I think we've, like, I think we've done, we really could. <laughs> I think we've done a really pretty um, thorough episode here. And, uh, you know, we don't want to. I think so too. <laughs> maybe, maybe someday we'll have to continue this as a part two or something. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, part two of life. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, just, there's so yeah, much no, to talk it, about. There is so much to talk about that it, it just is such a multifaceted and complicated but very creative it's you know it licensing can be very straightforward but can also i think the biggest takeaway would be very creative and interesting and people have done really cool stuff with licensing mm. um and i highly recommend just like reading more and, and learning about cool examples of of licensing that you might have bought or or seen and not realized necessarily what was going into it um because it's a lot and it, and people work really hard and people like, you know, get every detail of the product is approved by this licensor. Like it's a big deal. It's a yeah, really big deal. Like the, really the font is. they use and the brand they use and, and the wording that they're allowed to use, um, even can be very strictly dictated in terms of, of publicizing their product. So it's, it really is the amount of, um, partnership and the amount of control that the, person who owns the ip holds over the product is, is pretty significant mm. uh, and, and just very interesting part of the business and in, the, in the, our whole industry yeah yeah um <laughs> and i think i think it should be i mean if you create something you should be able to you know have control over what happens in every totally. aspect of that thing yeah and that's and that's what really licensing establishes and yeah it's just very cool i mean I feel like that's the crux of it. It's interesting. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. It'll be, something sounds like it'll be boring, but I swear it's not licensing. Like licensing expo is a good time folks. Everybody. <laughs> um, so I guess we kind of actually, so like it really is a good time. To- <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess we'll kind of start wrapping it up there. Um, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely been a, a great episode. Very fascinating as I knew it would be. Um, I was very, I'm still very interested in, in the whole world of licensing, um, like you and, uh, yeah, it just, it's, it's just the whole, it's like 
a whole world underneath the world that that everybody sees that is very important, yeah. but not everybody realizes how how far the reach of it is. And uh, mm-hmm. that's fascinating. Absolutely. That is absolutely fascinating. <laughs> Thank you for letting me chat about how much I like. Oh, I think for, for this blog, it was a really good time. <laughs> yeah, I had fun too. This is great. Um, so, any final words on licensing you want to give as a sign off? Well, I think just like, like there's more to licensing than you think. And I think the licensing space is going to be really, really cool to watch. I mean, Uh I've been covering industry for almost three years now. And the difference from when I started three years ago to now is already significant. So I am very intrigued to see how it continues to develop as the world of entertainment and IP continues to develop. Yeah. So the next time that you're out there in the stores and you you pick up (laughs) a a Star Wars action figure or a a Funko Pop or or something. Just, you know, pay a little mind to uh, what went into getting that into your hands. Um, Yeah. Because it it wasn't just a quick overnight thing. (laughs) And (laughs) and that also also goes for when I see, you know, you see a, a lot of times, or I've seen a lot on people complaining about oh why why hasn't this you know why haven't they put this out or why don't they have this or even why isn't so and so on disney plus yet or why isn't you know it's oh god there's a whole there's a new asset oh yeah that you just found we might have to talk about we might have to do another show if we want to talk on a whole other we could do a whole episode about the licensing of marvel characters to some Sony versus Fox versus Disney, because that's the whole thing that dictated the entire MCU and the entire X-Men universe and the entire Spider-Man universe. Like, hold truly. On, hold on. Let me write that down. <laughs> I see a future episode there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, contracts would, and it's all contracts and legalities, but it's interesting. We'll definitely have to. I think we'll definitely have to plan an episode on that. The entire, the, the whole Marvel, <laughs> just Marvel alone. Like you yeah. said, the Sony. Um, uh, Fox, everything, all that was just, and how that all happened. Oh mm-hmm. man, yeah, we're definitely gonna have to do a future, a future <laughs> episode on that one, it's one of these days. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, of course, thank you very much for for doing this. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, of course, it was. It was a very satisfying episode, but also, like we just found out, an episode that just <laughs> leads to more, more questions and and more things yes. to talk about. Um, Absolutely, it really does. <laughs> so, before we go, um, why don't you tell the audience where they can find you? Oh, sure. Uh, yes, so I am at um, my rating is on the popinsider dot com, toyinsider dot com, toybook dot com. Uh, and you can find me on social at uh, Maddie Buck or yeah, Maddie Buckley. Um, <laughs> but I, don't, I haven't been super active on there as much. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely Pop Insider. If you want licensing news, uh, that's really what the Pop Insider and the Toy Book and the Toy Insider. A lot of what we do, and especially Pop for the collectors, that's really taking licensing news and kind of putting it in consumer uh, frame of reference and, and kind of making it consumer and fandom friendly. So I would definitely say. Check out the Pop Insider for the latest licensed merch. That is that is our bread and butter. I will second that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Definitely <laughs> check out the Pop Insider. Um, 
there's, there's I always find some fun stuff to read on there, and a lot of times it's written by Madeline. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not not trying not trying to uh, buddy her up at all, but it's true. Uh, a lot of times I'll read an article and then I'll get to the bottom <laughs> and I'll be like, "Oh, it's Madeline." All right, <laughs> Madeline. <laughs> Uh, plus, you can also find uh, the New England Society of Geeks podcast on there, on their weekly podcast roundup, as well as yes. several other um, podcasts from the Weeby Geeks podcast collective, including my other show, Keepers of the Fringe, Weeby Geeks, Wiki Radio, uh, and some other shows I'm not on. But uh, <laughs> but again, thank you very much for coming on, Madeline. Um, this of is course. this has been too much fun. We are definitely, yeah. I definitely want to do that Marvel licensing story. That that alone is fascinating. Um, it is. I talk about that a lot too. I find that very fascinating. So yeah, I hope. I hope mainly what I'm hoping is that if you're listening to this episode, you took away some some knowledge that you might not have known that you find very interesting. And uh, hopefully you, you might look at the world of licensing a little differently now. Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So um, again, thank you for coming on Madeline. Um, And thank you out there for listening. Uh, We appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, well, Until next time, that will be all, folks. Good night. Have a good night. Thank you for your cooperation. To contact the New England Society of Geeks, you can email us at nesogpod at gmail.com. That's N-E-S-O-G pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Nesog Podcast. That's N-E-S-O-G Podcast. Find us on Facebook on our New England Society of Geeks podcast page. Follow us on Instagram at Nesog Pod. That's N-E-S-O-G Pod. Finally, if you could find it in your hearts, we would appreciate it if you could give us a rating or possibly a review on wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you and good night. Only now, at the end, do you understand?